0: Hey, friends, this is Matthias Roberts, and you're listening to Queerology, a podcast on belief and being. This is episode 8.
1: I just remember one evening, like we never directly talked about it, I never identified with the b-word. So we're sitting on the couch one evening, again having one of these talking-around-it conversations, and he just kind of like sat me down and grabbed me by my shoulders and looked at me in the eyes, and he's like, I love having a bisexual life. And for me, like the dam just burst.
0: This episode is all about bisexuality, bisexual erasure, a big, big issue in the community. And I'll introduce our guest in just a moment. Uh, But before we get into that, I know uh, it has been a really hard week for a lot of us. With stuff going on in the news cycle uh, around uh, Eugene Peterson and his uh, affirmation of LGBT people and subsequent reversal of that, or... At least public reversal of that—it's been really hard. And I think for those of us who are feeling really deeply affected by that, uh, I just—I think I want to take the time just to say, take care of yourselves. I remember what it's like to kind of sit in in spaces and watch these these thing, these this news that happens in the world, and to sit in these spaces of kind of feeling really alone and isolated and. And when news like this comes out, I think those feelings always kind of intensify, especially when we don't have community around us. And, and for some of us, we we literally do not have people around us who support us, who are able to speak into our lives. Um, and so I want to speak into our lives and say, we're doing important, important and good things by living out who we are within our communities. Uh, And whether we're out, out, or not, um, regardless of that, you are loved, you are important, your story is worth hearing, whether that's a story that you're just telling yourself right now or you're telling to the world. And there are a lot of us out there that are keeping, keeping on fighting for what's right, for what's good, for what's true. We're loved by Christ. And I think it's really important to hold on to those things during these, when it seems like the whole world is kind of crashing in around us. We're valued. We're needed. We're part of the body of Christ. So take heart. Take heart. Rosemary Jones uh, is a wife, a mother, an artist, a community advocate, uh She's a bisexual woman who loves Jesus, and she uses the lens of her identity to inform the way that she relates to the world. Rosemary strives to uh, embrace growth and mystery and believes that the process of embracing all of who you are is what brings about beauty that can change the world. Amen. Like, (laughs) absolutely. I think that's, that's a message that all of us can hear right now. And I think I think this whole episode is actually pretty timely based on, based on um, the news cycle that we find ourselves in, or the the world that we find ourselves in. It's not just a cycle. So I hope that it will be an encouraging episode for you all. Rosemary is one of my favorite people. She's a dear friend of mine. I, I found a lot of encouragement in, in talking with her, uh, and I hope you all will too. So let's dive in. Rosemary, thank you so much for joining me today.
1: Thank you for asking me. Yeah, it's
0: really good to have you here. <laughs> um So to start out, uh, this is a question that I ask everyone, uh, but how do you identify? uh, And then how would you say your faith has informed that identity?
1: I identify as a bisexual woman, uh, cisgender. And it's interesting to think about both how my faith has informed that identity and how my identity has informed my faith. I Mm -hmm. think it's all kind of a big mesh of things mm-hmm. um i was raised pretty conservative evangelical so kind of had this long interesting process of like trying to come to terms with coming out and having that be separate from my face and then going back in the closet when i tried to reconnect with my faith, and then coming out again
2: mm-hmm.
1: um, and now trying to like holistically keep all of that together so right yeah it's just kind of this interesting back and forth pendulum swing so to speak trying mm-hmm. to align it with Christianity, which is tricky sometimes. <laughs> right.
0: Yeah, absolutely. It's it's. I would imagine it's an, an incredibly tricky thing to kind of try to hold the tension of all the different things together. Um, right. And right. Uh, like you're married to a man, uh, yep. which I would imagine probably complicates things even more in a way. Um, it can.
1: Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it can. And so I think that there's often kind of that question of like, well, why bother? What's mm. the point of? Of coming out like um and honestly you know this this i guess second time around coming out okay so basically in a nutshell mm-hmm. raised um super conservative evangelical um disconnected from the church was really um disillusioned by the, the faith that I was introduced to by the time around I was around 15. Um, I knew that I was by mm-hmm. kind of left the church as much as I could in my, my family's household, um, and was out and open and agnostic for about the next 10 years or so. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when I was 25, kind of hit bottom, had another big pendulum swing and went back to my faith as a, like a coping mechanism
2: mm-hmm.
1: and kind of did the whole, like stop to the whole, like sex, drugs, rock and roll partying thing because mm-hmm. Being bisexual to me at the time was just lumped in with all of that lifestyle that I was done with, right? right. So then for another 10 years, God had changed me. This was something that God had healed me from. Mm. Um, and I think when I see a lot of those, uh, you know, pray the gay away success stories, mm-hmm. it's probably – most of the time people that are bisexual and that are able to just kind of suppress that side of themselves. Right. Um, and so tried to play it straight for a number of years just to fit in with the evangelical community that I was a part of. Um, you know, got married to my husband and, uh, and it's interesting actually because probably by like our second or third date, I had told him, mm-hmm. but at that time I was so conditioned to using all the right Christian language. Like, you know, this is something that was in my past. This is something that God is healing me from that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, And he wasn't even phased. He was like, Mm. oh, okay, cool. (laughs) Then, you know, there's this whole other story. But seven years later, (laughs) uh, finally came out again and was like, actually, I think that I can do this, like, being honest with my identity and loving Jesus at the same time. Um, Right. And for the first time, gosh, I was probably, like, 35 when that happened. So, um, yeah, for the first time, finally felt like this holistic hope of being able to be authentically myself and a right. whole person and not have to silence either my faith or my sexual identity.
0: Mm-hmm. That sounds really liberating.
1: To- oh my goodness. Yes.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah to, to be able to embrace every part of who you are like, and live into those identities. Like my goodness. Yeah. Yeah. What a different Absolutely. way of being. Yeah. yeah. I love that. I think- <laughs> so so you were one of the people to to reach out to me after I uh, did the episode with Dr. D'Angelo, episode three, uh-huh. um, and and she had several people reached out to me uh, right after that episode, and, and Dr. D'Angelo talked about how she identifies as, as bisexual, uh, but doesn't really live into that identity because she doesn't want to kind of take on. She doesn't want to like co. I think I, I can't remember exactly what she said, but basically, like, didn't really want to co-opt like a, a marginalized identity when she's presenting as straight. Sure. Um, sure. I, I was reading through some of your old blog posts um, and found one <laughs> that you wrote on on modern kinship last year of of where you actually kind of talked about this. And and you write like, how much easier it would be to simply embrace my straight privilege in quotation marks. Uh, My child could attend a religious school if I wanted her to. I could serve in a church that would otherwise hold me back, but it's not so simple. The thing about straight privilege for me is that it's not privilege. It's being put back in the closet over and over and over again. And unless I specifically spell out my bisexual lens for people, there's always a part of me that remains unseen. The whole of me is not visible.
2: Preach. Yeah.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And I'm, I'm wondering if you could talk about that a little bit because, um, I think when Dr. D'Angelo said that, uh, m- my immediate response was just kind of nod along. And then as I was editing the podcast, I was like, wait a second. Like, <laughs> this sounds a little bit like bi-erasure. I- I'm wondering if you could talk about, like, what is bi-erasure? Um, and what, as as a woman who is married to a man who identifies as bisexual, like, that adds some complexity. Um I would love, I know that's, I just, that's a lot. (laughs) There's a lot of questions in there.
1: Yeah. Um, I, uh, forgive me if I ramble a little bit. (laughs) Please do. Please ramble. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Um, yeah. And I, I think that I'm particularly sensitive to those kinds of things because I did spend the first like seven years of my marriage essentially in the closet. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, you know, Josh knew about it and he was really cool with it. um, I think if I can tell, like, a little bit of an example of kind of, like, what life was like during that season. Mm-hmm. So, living, um, you know, as a straight woman, we were going to an, an affirming church where I served at whatever capacity I wanted to. Mm-hmm. Um, was in, you know, various positions of teaching and leading small groups and in children's ministry and the whole nine yards. Um the majority of both of our families, on both sides, are not affirming.
2: Mm.
1: Um, so, it just it was "quote unquote" easier, and I say easier loosely because it was mm. easier in a social construct. It was not easier for my mental and emotional health. Mm. So, what would happen was like we would go out for coffee, for instance, and I would think our barista was cute, mm. and I just would fall apart on the inside. Mm. I mean, I don't know if this is the same thing for anybody else who has spent a significant amount of time in the closet Mm -hmm. (laughs) and from the evangelical background but you just wrestle all of a sudden with this like why hasn't god healed me of this like you know super evangelical this is demonic oppression Mm -hmm. Uh, i mean all of these like really really dysfunctional thoughts swirling around in my head Mm. just because i thought a barista was cute and Mm -hmm. so i would like stifle this and hold it inside for weeks Mm -hmm. and be in this cycle of like anxiety and depression and self-loathing I was thinking I was going to ruin my marriage what's wrong with me Mm. and then um finally would like find the courage to tell Josh what was going on in my head Mm. and he was like okay yeah I I think I remember that yeah she was cute what's the problem you know (laughs) totally non-issue um and this just this would happen over and over again Mm. for seven years Mm. and i just remember one evening like we never directly talked about it i never identified with the b word um but we were sitting we always talked around it you know Mm. so we're sitting on the couch one evening and uh again having one of these talking around it conversations and he just kind of like sat me down and grabbed me by my shoulders and looked at me in the eyes and he's like i love having a bisexual life mm. and for me like the dam just burst mm. and all of a sudden I felt like I was allowed to be honest with myself and honest with those feelings and honest with my husband and there was no it was such a non-issue mm. and so I think for me when I hear people I know I'm I'm all for self-identification so if somebody wants right. to identify however they see fit awesome yeah. I think Sometimes the problem is that can be misinterpreted into saying, oh, well, everyone, since you are partnered with the same gender person, you must be a lesbian. Since you're partnered with an opposite gender person, you must be straight, needs to identify based on the identity of their partner, right? Right. And I think for me, since I carried that burden for so long, and I know how destructive it was, mm-hmm. I'm just not willing to do that. I'm not willing to go there again. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So,
0: Yeah, that makes sense. And I think, I mean, you mentioned that kind of the, that tendency that we, I think we, a lot of us have to kind of identify as who we're partnered with, or um, and I think as as what appears on the surface level, uh, and I think that's something that we kind of just automatically do, uh, and that can cause some huge problems
1: yeah yeah well i know so 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 many people um i mean in my own personal life in my own conversations and friendships that i identify whether it's gay or straight depending on the basis of their their partner just because it's easier it's simpler um rather than identifying as bi i actually kind of skimmed and looked for some little studies Mm. that um One of them said bisexuals are less likely to be out. Surveys Hmm. show only 28% of bi folks are out to those closest to them. 28%. 28%. 20%. Compared to 77% of gay men and 71% of lesbians. So it's a huge disparity.
0: Yeah.
1: But here's the interesting thing. The Pew Research Center surveyed almost 1,200 LGBTQ people, and 40% of those people identified as bi.
2: Hmm.
1: Only 9% of bisexuals surveyed have same-sex partners, and 84% are involved with someone of the opposite sex. So basically to me, that tells me that there is a lot of us that are allowing ourselves to be erased due to the mm. identi- identity of our partners and allowed to be presumed as straight. Right.
2: Um,
1: and for some people that's a comfortable place to be. And I don't want to speak against that. I think that's, you know, legitimate. Some people don't feel like they're safe to come out for one reason or another. Right. Um, but I think that we need to really work to start chipping away at some of those assumptions and prejudices to make it safe for, by folks to come out if they want
0: to absolutely Um, yeah because i think we have you know in our organizations we have a lot of visibility of course for gay men uh a fair amount of visibility for lesbian women and bisexuality is often not even mentioned or or seen as a like a phase of Mm -hmm. like i come out as bi but then I come out as gay because bisexuality. I'm not actually. It's like a, a soft launch
2: almost. Yes.
1: <laughs> um, <and laughs> yes, a soft launch. That's the right. way to say it. Um, <laughs> or phase. Right. Yep. Yep. <laughs> and.
0: But bisexuality exists. Like- <laughs>
1: yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, and I mean, you know, I mean, I'm pushing 40, you know, mm-hmm. I, I mean, I can tell you, honestly, it's not a phase. It's mm-hmm. not something that goes away. I mean, it is like sexuality is on a spectrum. And so especially people that identify as bi, there's a lot of conversation about that kind of ebbing and flowing or You know, so maybe, like, my dating history or the rate of attraction might be more towards, like, one gender than another or whatever. But, I mean, if you're anywhere, like, somewhere in the Mm middle-ish, congratulations, (laughs) you're bisexual. Here's your free unicorn sticker. Welcome to the club. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, (laughs) So, it's a pretty awesome club once you embrace it. There's a lot of us are cool people, but um, sometimes it, it takes some nudging to get there just because, like, the stereotypes are so ugly, and the statistics are so ugly and so depressing. I actually had a straight friend, a straight female friend, post something on Facebook a few days ago, like um what were her comments something about super super kind super sweet super apologetic oh my gosh i had no idea this is terrible you guys deserve better but it was all of these statistics about like you know we have higher rates of ptsd higher rates of depression and suicide mm-hmm. higher rates of substance abuse and alcoholism on and on and on, and on. Mm-hmm. she was like i had no idea and i was like well yeah this is kind of common knowledge for all of us that are here right. <laughs> you know right. um and there's a lot of things that kind of play into that and a lot of reasons why those statistics exist but.
0: yeah because well, i would imagine there's a huge cost to having that identity ignored erased like mm-hmm. not acknowledged in these spaces that we champion as being safe and right. inclusive and working right. for this common good but it, they really work for very specific people
1: right and not for others it's discouraging sometimes <laughs> i think one thing for me that has been so healing and so beneficial is like i just kind of think about what is the point of being out because mm. i remember attending the gcm conference in portland mm-hmm. this is maybe going on three years ago now Mm-hmm and this was very very shortly after I had that conversation with Josh on the couch hmm. so um, it was kind of my launching so to speak into mm-hmm. this you know second coming out so to speak and um, I remember attending one of the seminars and it was on bisexuality and I actually stood up and asked I was like, so no affirming family, non-affirming church married to a man, what's the point mm-hmm. like I can come out to myself, I can come out to my husband we can have conversations about it, what's the point of being out beyond that mm-hmm. and, and there were some really good conversations that happened out of that? And once I got home, I think I just was so exhilarated. I just didn't care what the cost was. And I mm. figured that it was worth, I mean, you, you know, when you come out, it's just like, what? Right. You're not worried about what you're leaving behind. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just it's just not worth it. So um, I think for me, one of the biggest benefits that I've seen on the other side, I mean, it's, it's benefited my marriage, honestly. It's mm. benefited the way I relate to my husband. It's benefited the way I parent my child. Um, it's it's really benefited the way that I relate to the world around me, the way that I relate to God. And I've had so many beautiful conversations with people, especially younger people who have come out, but they're not out to their families because mm-hmm. they don't feel safe, but they're willing to come out to me and they're willing to share their stories with me.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and I just think it's such an honor to be able to be visible for other people. I mean, Mm I'm visible for myself. It helps my own mental and emotional health, but to be visible for other people, it's, it's worth it. Absolutely.
0: Yeah. I think, I think it benefits. I mean, you mentioned this, the, our our own mental emotion and mental and emotional health, but every single one of us who come out and own our unique identities, like there's an impact to that. Yeah. Yeah. That
1: can't be understated. I, um, I'm terrible at like quoting scripture appropriately, but I just thought of this story of, um, you know, that Jesus told of giving out the talents mm. to people, you know, and it's like some of us can hoard it and hide it and be afraid of what we're going to do with it if we actually use it and invest it, mm-hmm. and others of us can be fairly liberal with it and go out and show it off and invest it and use it, and beautiful things can come of it. Absolutely. So. I'm an artist and it's really, it's impacted my art. I think I had probably a good two solid years where the only art that I created had something to do with my identity and coming to terms with that and my relationship with that. So just image after image after image would, would come. And um, I know that it's, I've had conversations where those pieces have impacted people directly too. So it's been
2: good. Yeah. (laughs) It's worth it. (laughs)
0: Yeah. Totally. Mm, I love that. Uh, So I think, and i know that this this will, this is like kind of a a bisexuality 101 question um yeah, but i absolutely. think a lot of times er, when I'm reading conversations about bisexuality, a lot of people automatically assume bisexuality is all about the sex. I mean, as they do right. with so many <laughs> of our identities of homosexuality and of like just immediately going to, well, you can't. Who are you m-
2: having sex with?
0: Right. Yeah. Who are you having <laughs> sex with? And, and like, I think people think like bisexuality is all kinds of strange ideas about like sleeping with more than one person, whatever, whatever, whatever. Absolutely. Um, Absolutely. And like that. That's, that's not what bisexuality is. And I'd no. be curious if you could maybe go into more like, what what, what is bisexuality? Yeah,
1: yeah. Um, yeah. So, and I'm, I'm going to misquote this because I'm mm. terrible at quoting things directly, but <laughs> the um, the accepted definition of bisexuality is the capacity to be attracted to, either romantically, sexually, otherwise, um, to anyone of your own gender or anyone of other genders. Mm.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So um yeah
2: yeah that's it there you go so i can ha- love my
1: husband i can think my husband is amazing and we're married forever and ever and we can go to a coffee shop together and we can both think our is cute yeah the end <laughs> <ends>. <laughs> <laughs> i mean that's yeah right. really really watered
2: down version but <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. right
0: but that idea that it, it has it has to do with the attraction yes and the ability of being attracted to more than one gender
1: yeah. Um, well, and I think for me, too, like just the way that I operate is I tend to, I mean, you know, with the occasional exception of like the cube barista or the celebrity or whatever, right. um, I think a lot of by people that I know tend to have attractions based on connection. Mm. So um, it has far less to do with the gender of a person mm. and far more to do with an intelligent connection or, uh, a deep friendship or, you know, something that is, is built off of that. I think kind of on the, you know, to piggyback on that a little bit that the bisexual folks tend to get such a bad rap because, you know, again, like on the one end of the spectrum, if you're monogamous and you're kind of seen as like, well, what's the point of being out? You're just seeking attention. Um, you're not really bi, you're either straight or gay, that kind of thing. But then on the other hand, I do have my friends that are in um, polyamorous relationships. And so then they're labeled as being greedy or fulfilling stereotypes. Um, it's a little bit frustrating because you feel like you can't really win. <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah. It
0: would, that makes that makes a lot of sense because it you're kind of... And I think I remember reading something from you at one point saying, like, you're, you're, like, too queer to be in straight spaces, but mm-hmm. you're, like, too not queer, too straight to be, straight yep. to be in like, <laughs> LGBT spaces, and, and then going back to like the cost of that. Well,
1: and especially like in my own personal situation, I mean, I'm, I have been married for 10 years and I'm a mama and we live in the suburbs and like, there's not a whole lot of like, like when people, I think when, especially when conservative evangelicals think of the gay community, so to speak, they don't think of my life. <laughs> <laughs> I yeah. mean, we got Netflix going by nine o'clock at night. Right. so
0: <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. I would be curious what, so in, so you mentioned that you went to like a non-affirming church. Yeah. Uh, and as you went through this kind of second coming out phase, what was the impact of that on like in your spiritual communities and, and in, in your church specifically? And, and like, what what did that process look like for you? <laughs>
1: Um, well, at the time when I was coming out, I, we had been attending a church that we had thought was very progressive. Hmm. Um, we sought it out because I wanted to see um, women at the pulpit, specifically women of color. I wanted a more diverse church to raise my daughter in. Um, and so we sought this one out. We loved their stance on a lot of social justice issues. Um, we were there for a year. Until I finally started to realize, like, I'm hearing a lot of really, really wonderful stuff about racial issues and socioeconomic issues and absolute silence on LGBT issues. Mm. And so I sat down with one of the pastors and asked, asked her, you know, what the story is and learned that the church is not affirming mm. and, you know, that we would be welcome to to attend and to serve in minor capacities Um, anyone who is going to serve at a greater capacity, whether it be like in children's ministry or a certain communion or anything that's, Mm -hmm. you know, more trustworthy, so to speak, Mm -hmm. you would have to sign a contract, um, for membership and the contract Mm -hmm. deemed that, you know, marriage is between one man and one woman and that's it. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I could have signed that contract. Mm -hmm. I could have played it straight again. Mm -hmm. Um. I just felt like it was an absolute betrayal, not only to my identity, but to other LGBT folks that would not have had that same privilege to sign that contract. Mm -hmm. Um, I just felt sick at the idea of supporting an institution that was going to actively discriminate against LGBT people. Um, And I still feel that conviction very, very strongly. That's just not something that I can support. And... um, it was kind of, kind of embarrassing, but that interview was very emotional. I think because mm. I had so much admiration for that church. I literally like, I think I cried through like the whole last half mm. of that interview with her, mm. and I just left, and we never went back. Mm. Um, mm. And it was hard because we had been in a small group. We'd been. I had served artistically in that mm-hmm. church already. Um, we had friendships in our small group that we had formed, and it just. It just felt like a betrayal. Um, And we've kind of floated in and out of of other churches. I do have two good friends whom I respect so, so much, um, that they both pastor um, separate churches here in the Everett area. Um, We live just north of Seattle. and Mm -hmm. So um, that are fully open, fully affirming, wonderful churches. Um, We went to one for a short period of time, and I think – not just me, but but Josh as well. We're both a little bit spiritually burnt out mm-hmm. on the Sunday church. Um, yeah. There's definitely a history of some spiritual abuse and having to kind of unravel a lot of unhealthy right. theologies. And mm-hmm. um, for us right now, it's just better to Sunday Sabbath looks very different now than it used to. Yeah, yeah,
0: that makes <laughs> that makes a lot of sense. And I think you know as i've had conversations with so many different queer folk like that's a common kind of sentiment of like the a feeling burnt out on yeah. churches because we have been burned so many times and that oh, yeah. sense of betrayal of of like getting involved in a community and then feeling utterly betrayed by it like
1: right 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 and that, that conversation that I had had, um, you know, with that particular pastor from that church wasn't the first time. Mm-hmm. I mean, we, Josh and I met at a, at a different church and same, you know, had a community there. And then when I came out to that group of friends, it was very mixed, mm-hmm. had some pretty difficult conversations. Mm, yeah. Um, and yeah, so just over the years, just gradually kind of pulling away and redefining community. Um, we definitely do have what we kind of consider to be a church community. Um, we have a group that we're part of that's called the Sunday Schooling Group. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> and it's basically a bunch of, uh, and it's led by, by one of my friends who is a pastor of this kind of little ragtag church here in Everett. Mm. Um, but it's basically just a bunch of, Folks who um, were raised evangelical, not in the church currently, don't necessarily want to raise their children in a Sunday school environment. Mm -hmm. Very skittish of that. But we still want to get together. We miss the community aspect of it. Mm -hmm. So we go around and we have brunch at each other's houses once a month. And our kids Mm -hmm. run around and play. And we talk about whatever we need to talk about. Mm -hmm. Um, It was actually very healing. Josh and I hosted the last brunch. And we made it a pride-themed brunch. It was Mm -hmm. in June. Mm -hmm. And I checked out a whole stack of um, LGBT friendly books for the kids and had a playlist and we made mimosas is fabulous. Mm. That's church. Like that's, that's church to me. Yeah. That
0: sounds, and I think, you know, I, I, I think of Jesus's words of like one, one or more are gathered
2: like
0: am there. And that idea of, I think we're, we're so caught into this kind of model of like going to church on Sundays and And I know I was raised in like a suspicion of any other kind of church gathering of like, if you're not going to a building (laughs) on a Sunday morning with the pastor, then you're
1: forsaking the church and you're going to backslide and you're getting poor teaching and Oh yeah. Exactly. Yeah.
0: And I think, I mean, that's, that's a message I still hear from certain people of asking me, like, are you going like, what church are you plugged into?
1: Yes. And oh, it, I evade that question like the plague if I know that that's not going to get a good response. <laughs> well,
0: totally. Right. Because it's, it's, it's a litmus. <laughs> it's like a litmus test of like, and, yes. and for those of us who are already in those spaces of being on like the edges of Christianity, like that's another thing that can be lobbed at us to kind of prove that we're not really Christians. We're not Absolutely. really following Jesus. Like,
1: Absolutely. And I think for a while I cared Mm. And I tried to defend my identity and I tried to defend my relationship with God. Um, and now I'm just kind of at a point where I'm like, eh, I don't mm. care. I yeah. <laughs> just, I don't care. It's so much easier to just let those people's opinions go and invest in the relationships that are life giving. Mm-hmm. And if anyone has, you know, less than honorable thoughts of me, then they can have them. There's nothing right. I can do about it. And I don't owe anybody an explanation for my identity. Mm. I mean, really, the only people that it impacts is like myself and my husband and my daughter, and they're happy, and I'm happy. So Mm.
0: that's it. Right. (laughs) I I'm thinking of like I I remember uh, Kristen Bell, Rob Bell's wife, uh, said once at a conference that I was at. She's like, I can. She's like, we we each have a certain amount of energy in in every day, and she's like, Do you want to spend that energy catching everyone else behind you up to where you are, or do you want to use that energy for moving yourself forward?
1: Oh, my gosh. I'm going to write that on my wall. Right? Like, <laughs> it's on my mirror. Like, it's... Oh, it's so succinctly put. Mm-hmm. It, that's exactly, exactly how I feel. Because I'm like, listen, I spent 10 years in the closet faking it straight and wrestling with this issue with god and reading the books and praying to be healed and Mm -hmm. reading scripture and doing all the things and now i've finally made peace with it and like you said like i'm not willing to go back and spend the energy giving 10 years of education to people that honestly really don't want to learn. They just don't like if they do, there's books out there. There's the Google, like go Mm -hmm. for it. (laughs) I'm just, I'm not the person, like if people want to have honest, open conversations, if they're really, really wanting to learn, yes, there's a huge difference. If somebody just wants to argue, I'm not here for that.
0: Totally, Absolutely. To set up those boundaries and to kind of put those protections around yourself. Like, yes, it's so incredibly wise. Mm -hmm. So, so you mentioned you're also an artist and I love your work Um, (laughs) and I'd be curious. This is, (laughs) this is shifting gears a little bit, but also not because I think art is such an embodied practice. Um, But I'd be so curious to hear like, what does this creative side of yourself, how does that play into your identity?
1: Well, early on when I was trying to come to terms with being by, I say early on, like, Mm you know, three, four years ago, um, I had this image come to mind. I just, I'd been feeling incredibly anxious and incredibly depressed. And I kind of took the afternoon and went to the beach by myself and sat there drawing and, and reading, meditating. And, um, there's, you know, that one passage where Jesus said, you know, if you're weighed down, come to me, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Mm -hmm. And, uh, I, just had that kind of like in a loop in my head and I couldn't really quite figure out why mm. and then the words started switching around a little bit and instead of burden or my my burden is light I heard burden of light mm. and i got this image and it was of a double yoke mm. and I was on one side and Jesus was on the other. And rather than it just being a light burden, it was a burden of light. And above us was this gorgeous, intricate chandelier Mm. that carried light, that reflected light. And it was intricate and it was beautiful and it was complicated and it was messy. Um, And to me, I felt like that was a picture of my identity and not having to carry it alone
2: Mm. and
1: not having it be this ugly thing that he was trying to heal me from, mm. but rather it was something that I had been gifted with yeah. and something that, that he was carrying with me. Mm. And I've just always kind of carried that picture with me. Mm-hmm. Um, even this afternoon, as I'd honestly, like, forgotten about that image for for a little while. It was one of my earlier pieces. And this afternoon, as I was thinking about our, our interview, that image came to mind again. Mm-hmm. I was like, this, this is a burden of light. This is something that I get to talk about. This is something that I get to celebrate. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm actually, my latest piece that I'm working on right now is... Uh, quite consuming (laughs) (laughs) uh, so i live in everett and Mm -hmm. uh the city of everett does this wonderful wonderful thing in the summer called the street tunes and Mm -hmm. they take these donated pianos and they commission artists to paint them and then they scatter them all throughout downtown everett and they do a little like scavenger hunt Ah. and they're just they're everywhere they're in front of the library they're in front of all these great shops um and like my kid has loved these pianos for years right And so this last year, I got invited to paint one of the pianos. So excited. Yeah. And I knew that I wanted to do something meaningful. I knew that it had to be, you know, family and community friendly, right? Mm -hmm. And so um, the piano that I was given is Art Deco in nature, has these gorgeous little, like, intricate motifs carved into it.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: So as soon as I saw it, I knew I had to run in that direction. Um, But on the front of it, it's going to be all this, like, jet polished black with chrome accents Mm. and in chrome across the front of it where you put the music, it's going to say live your song Mm. in like 1920s style handwriting Mm -hmm. and all across the top of it, you know, peacock feathers were really big in the twenties, right? Mm. So I've got these alternating peacock feathers in bipride pride colors. So just kind of that beautiful subversive thing of like, live your story, live your song, regardless of what your identity is. Um, Make it, Make it beautiful, make it intricate, make it complicated, make it appealing. Mm -hmm. And I think that's kind of the tension that I hold is, especially in the bisexual community, there's definitely a time and a place to have those hard conversations about these statistics and about things that we need to fight against. And then there's this and a place to share our stories about why is being bisexual a beautiful thing? How is it benefiting you? How is it benefiting the people around you? Mm -hmm. Uh, And getting to celebrate that and celebrating those stories. Mm -hmm. So... I think trying to find that tension in my artwork um, is something that I try to do with all of my, my pieces. Yeah.
0: Mm. So. <laughs> I'll, I'll need to come up there to see the pianos because that sounds amazing. Oh, please
1: do. <laughs> please do. I am actually so, so, so honored. Um, there's a brand new coffee shop that just opened up here called Narrative Coffee. Mm. And uh, the gentleman that opened it, like standards are way above and beyond it's a really really beautiful space mm. beautiful coffee, everything mm-hmm. and he asked to host my piano so God, i'm super so cool. excited i know uh, i know so yes please come out play my piano and come have coffee with me uh,
0: yeah i'd love that <laughs> let's absolutely do okay. that <laughs> <laughs> sounds good uh, well thank you so much rosemary
1: thank you for asking me <laughs>
0: Blessings for you. you as well You can find out more information about Rosemary at her website, theartofrosemary.com. Her Twitter is artofrosemary, at artofrosemary, and her Instagram is at theartofrosemary, so a little bit of a difference there. Uh, But go follow her work, find some of her artwork, it's beautiful, beautiful stuff. Queerology is on Twitter, at queerologypod, or you can tweet me directly, at Matthias Roberts. I'd love it if you'd leave a review of Queerology. Just head over to iTunes, uh, search Queirology, leave a little review, or you can head to my website, MatthiasRoberts.com slash review, and it will take you right there. As always, I would love to hear from you. If you have ideas of episodes, people to talk to, uh, just send me a quick little email on my website. uh, I'll get back to you. And until next week, bye.